Hey, this is former WWE superstar and ECW original, The Blue Meanie. And you're listening to me on BBGWrestling.com. Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of Hands Off The Merchandise on BBG Wrestling. I am Pablo and with me is the co-author of Lance By Chance Wrestling as a Von Eric. Uh, the story of Lance Von Eric. I have with me Vinnie Berry. Hello. Hello, how you doing? Thank you for having me on your show. I'm good, thank you for uh, doing it. And uh, I know, we've uh, well, my fault that we've pushed this back a little bit, but... Um, you know, so it's it's been a couple of weeks uh, in the making at least, but um, I'm glad to have you here. So within those couple of weeks, because um, you've done a lot of interviews, you've done a lot of press, etc. for the book, um, what has the general reaction been? Let's go straight into it. What has the reaction been to the book and how do you feel um, you've done, a, you know, with getting the word out there about the book? Well, it's definitely been... Uh you know, work in that regard of, you know, doing, doing a lot of shows like this and letting people know about it. I think, I don't know what was harder writing it or, or promoting it, you know, but, uh, the response has been good. A lot of people, uh, like the book, a lot of people are, uh, surprised by the book, um, because of course it's, it's a, it's a book about Lance, right? And, and uh, it's the, it's a story told from his perspective. But what I think what people uh, fail to realize is that the book really captures world-class championship wrestling between 1982 and 87, you know, and it, it really tells like the backstory of why he was created, why Fritz brought him in. It talks about how the NWA ran back then, how the territorial system ran back then. You know, it, it really talks what wrestling is. And I think a lot of people are surprised by that, you know, and I don't think people are expecting that there's a chapter in there about Gino Hernandez and Chris Adams and Kerry Von Erich and Ric Flair and Mike Von Erich. And um, I wanted I wanted to write a book. If someone wanted to read a story of world class, I wanted them to grab one book and and this be the book that they read. Uh, so that's the thing as well. Um I feel that because I love the book and um, uh, you don't have to know about world class to read the book because you are educated about the, the main hitters in world class, um, you know, about the territory system in uh, in America in that time uh, in the mid 80s. Um, and it is it's perfect for those who are you know, quote unquote experts. Um, but for those who are looking to find something different to read as well, because I guess, you know, if, if there is one uh, viewpoint about world class and, you know, the Lance Von Erich character that we haven't heard from, you know, in all this time during, you know, the WWE documentaries, the Heroes of World Class documentary, it's actually Lance. Um, and it's a, it's, 
you know, it, I've learned so much from reading the book. And um, in terms of factual stuff, uh, before we get into like sort of how you met and everything, um, were you surprised at how much he remembered or were you kind of there to sort of, were you the facts and figures kind of guy or like how did the, how did the writing relationship work? Well, we started uh, calling each other uh, on a weekly basis. So we'd, we'd set some time aside on Sunday. And um, I guess for about a year, a year and a half, we were just talking to each other. And I wouldn't say every Sunday because there was some, you know, there was some periods where we would take a break. Sometimes I'd just uh, use that time to, you know, go through the notes and everything. But I would record our conversations um sometimes he would say oh you got to call so and so and 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 talk to him i talked to about a total of 11 other people on you know to do this i talked to people like uh, uh johnny mantel mark and chris youngblood david manning uh dusty wolf jeff bearden uh steve simpson i talked a little bit with uh jerry gray and uh Steve Casey and I and I just took their stories and 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 you know if Lance would tell me a story then I'd ask them about the same story to get a little more information here's the problem <laughs> did you get did you get conflicting stories sometimes <laughs> um sometimes I mean I wouldn't say uh too bad I they weren't I mean look everybody has their own perspective and take on things but yep. you know if if I if I talk to three guys and if if I was asking them the same story, and if someone said the car was red, and someone said the car was blue, and someone said the car was green, we probably weren't writing about the car. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, no, I get what you mean. <laughs> but uh, you know, the stories are uh, pretty much panned out. You know, I I got a lot of uh, really good information, and uh, I really didn't know where the story was going to go there for a while. But eventually, uh, after I had all this information and uh, I, you know, it kind of fell into place with how I wanted to do it. You know, I think I had, uh, you know, a good bit of the story, um, you know, a bulk of the information, probably the first year and a half. And it took me, uh, I don't know, it took me a while to to write it. Uh, as far as kind of getting it started, maybe I had all this stuff for about nine months before I really started getting into a flow of writing it. And then um, it was written in December of, uh, I guess, January 2020, December right. of 2019. The COVID. Yeah, where I think I, I'm, I'm kind of like done. But then. I took that whole year just to kind of rework it, rewrite it, clean it up, put add things in, take things out and things like that. And so really the edit process took a good nine months. So there was no uh, specific deadline um, to be finished by. Um, and did, did COVID affect the, the work in any way? Did it give you allow you more time or did it push things back or? Well, no, it it. It helped because I, I was out of work for about six weeks. So, you know, when that happened, and I wasn't expecting that to happen, when that happened, then I was like, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to finish the book this year because uh, 
by the time it was published, I'd already been working on it for over three years. So we started in, I think, summer, maybe August of uh, 2017, something mm -hmm. like that. And so by November of uh, 2020 is when I had it printed. So with the COVID and everything, being off work six weeks, um, it really gave me the time to just kind of really go through it and uh, just kind of really work on it. But uh, I did put a, a goal on myself that, you know, 2020 was was going to be the time that I needed to just kind of I think it was time just to be done with it, you know, and, and to move on because it's never going to be finished, right? It's just... Yeah, I get what you... <laughs> Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> um, so what, because um, one thing that I, I took from the book um, and from, uh, you know, Lance's uh, personality is how humble he is and how kind of in some ways uh, self-effacing because he admits that he wasn't ready for certain spots, um, you know, in throughout his career. And um, he's also quite aware of what has been said about him um, on the internet and elsewhere, or at least said about the, the character and how, you know, it was conceived to be not a great idea and stuff like that. And, you know, WWE have had their say, and they're a, a, obviously a huge platform. Um, was there anything in particular that spurred him on to say, right, I want to start writing a book, or did you come to him first? I came to him first, and uh, I have a, a website called wrestleville.com, and it's just something I do in my spare time. I, I write about wrestlers, just do little stories, kind of like, where are they now kind of thing, or, you know, uh, a story to kind of um, highlight uh, an up-and-coming wrestler and whatnot, and uh, that was how I came across Lance, I was talking to referee James Beard, and Lance came up a couple times in our conversation. And the last time he came up in our conversation, he says, "Hey, this is how you get in touch with him if you want to get in touch with him." And I, I just reached out to him uh, via fe uh, Facebook, and uh, he was very receptive to to talk to me. Um, I just kind of just sent him a message and said, "Hey, this is what I'm interested in doing. I wanted." I wanted to just write a, a little story on him about my website, so or for my website. And so uh, he gave me his number. He was receptive. I we talked, and the, the whole time he was like, "Why do you want to do this? And who do you think cares? And nobody wants to read it. Who's going to read it? Where are you going to post it? And things like that." And he was like, "Look, nobody cares, you know." And I was like, "Dude, I." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, I really want to know the story, you know, and I thought it was uh, of what I knew of at that time. I thought it was a good story. Right mm -hmm. now, what I know now, I think it's a great story. I agree. It, uh, one, It's amazing how it came together. And what I like about this as well, because we've. Um, especially wrestling biographies sometimes uh, they become kind of like um, either full of you know either salacious or it's about you know giving someone a receipt because someone said something about them etc and it kind of becomes more about the scandal than you know uh, about their lives and um, 
that's what I like about this book, that it's not about that. And th- there is an honesty about it. And I think he... Um, I, I don't think own worst enemy. I think he is his biggest critic. Um, no matter how big, uh, you know, how no matter how much criticism that other people have maybe given the character or the storyline or whatever. And one thing that sort of <laughs> what I love about the book is that there's a quote right in the front of the book from Kevin Von Eric, um, and it's not a positive, <laughs> right? And not a positive thing. And it's just kind of like, okay, right, this is going to be. You know, no holds no holds barred, but in terms of like honesty, not in terms of just you know, um, you're talking shit about people or whatever. It's you know, this is my what I had to go through, and this is um, these are my feelings, etc. Um, so I'm guessing he was quite open to including in there about the criticism about the character and everything. Well, yeah, it will. Boy, there's there's a there's a lot to touch on in that. Yeah, sorry, I, I give you long questions. <laughs> well, I, in 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 going back real quick to the book, uh, you know, he's he's told me that there has been people throughout his life, that, hey, you know, you want to write a book, and he just never wanted to, you know. And uh, when I came along, and he's and he said this uh, a few times, and he's told me, he says, man, there was just something different about you. You know, it was something different about just uh, your interest in the story. And and he he liked my enthusiasm, you know, and um, I don't know. He just we 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 connected, you know, and uh, the one thing I like about the book is that, you know, he he's honest to a fault yeah. uh, when it comes to himself. <clears throat> you know, if if he's if he's talking about. Uh, bad about anybody in the book it's himself you know mm. i mean yeah he's he's not uh burying anybody he's uh he is he he was like look he comes straight out and says hey i didn't like how i was uh being overworked at world class i didn't like how i was being paid at world class uh but he he's not tearing people down and going back to that quote that you you talk about with uh kevin um it was very interesting in how I, I came about that. Um, so I was talking to Kenny Casanova. Yes, I was going to ask you about Kenny. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think I might have told you a story. I'll, I'll share it for your audience. Uh, but I was uh, – Kenny was a, is been a big mentor to me on this project, and he's kind of held my hand through, you know, this is how you do it and let me show you how to do it and if you need help with this let me know and if it wasn't for kenny I, I i wouldn't be this far with the the project in the book because i just didn't know what i was doing and i needed somebody who who was uh able to guide me through the process of writing a book and he uh we were messaging each other uh, one night on facebook and he was asking me how the book coming along and where you at and what's what's the next thing you need to do and then all of a sudden he just asked me this random question he says hey how big are your nuts <laughs> i was like i you know it, like any typical guy right they're huge i've got big <laughs> nuts you know and uh he says well if they're huge, call this number. It belongs to Kevin Von Erich. And, oh. <laughs> and I I had that number, and I knew I had to call him. And I just didn't know how I was uh, going to go about doing that. I knew I had to call him. 
I had talked to my wife and my wife, uh, you know, she's been very supportive on this project. And the whole time she says, yeah, you need to call him. You need to talk to him. You need to tell him what you're doing. And, you know, she she thought I owed him that. And so um, I did call him. Uh, I, I waited until I was a certain point of the book where I felt like I I had the book probably about I probably reached out to him about two months before I printed it. And uh, he, uh, I called him on a Friday and left the message. I called him on the following Friday and left the message. Still never heard back. The third Friday, I called him again and left another message. And I was probably getting to the point where, okay, I'm, he doesn't want to get back with me or he doesn't want to talk to me. <laughs> Uh, yeah. But you got to understand too, Pablo. Is uh, I come from a news background, right? So you know, I've worked for television news for almost twenty years. So I know how to knock on doors, and you know, I mean, I'll I will call you until I get a a final no, right? Sounds sounds like me trying to get podcast guests sometimes. <laughs> I'm not going to mention names, Sid. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Anyway. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, so the following Saturday, after that third Friday, the following Saturday, um, I just get a text out of the blue from him. And uh, he just he just says, hey, uh, thank you for, for reaching out to me. He, you know, he's very nice. He said, thank you for reaching out to me. But uh, I just, I, I don't want to, you know, uh, I just don't want to do anything for the book. And he, you know, he gave me his reasons and he shared with me, well, we ended up texting for about two hours. And, you know, in that time, you know, he was asking me, well, did he ever tell you about this? And did he tell you about this? And, you know, and uh, so we, we talked and um, I gave him an opportunity. I said, look, you can write whatever you want, write for the book. I don't care if he, he would have given me, you know, two sentences or or twenty pages, I would have stuck it in the book. I I didn't care. I said you can just write whatever you want, and, you know. And he he gratefully uh, declined. So a following week later, he reached out to me again and just just said to me, "Hey, Vinny, I've been thinking a lot about the situation. I've been thinking a lot about you know what happened uh, with Lance and." Uh, I've just been doing a lot of reflecting and that was it. I didn't, I didn't hear anything back from him and he just kind of just shared his thoughts with me. And then uh, a week before I sent the book to the printer, I just reached out to him one more time and I said, Hey, would you be willing to, you know, give me a couple sentences so I can put on the back of the, the book for a quote. Yeah. And uh, he sent me that paragraph and because it was too big to put on the back I stuck it in the front of the book now Lance didn't want it in the book when I told Lance I said hey uh Kevin contributed something for the book and I read it to him and he was like well why do you got to put that in the book (laughs) (laughs) it did see it was very jarring to see that right at the front of the book and on the back as well um yeah I was so uh, sorry, I'm interrupting. What what swayed no, no. him into having it in there then? Well, no, I I appreciate. I I'm I'm glad to hear your response because I I'd like to you know that that uh, 
that's been the response of a lot of people, you know, like, wow, you know, I, I can't believe, you know, that's in the book or I can't believe that you put that in there or, you know, and he and like I said, here's the cool thing about Lance, even though he didn't want it in the book because I felt it was necessary. Um, he was like, if you think it's necessary to put it in the book, put it in the book. Yeah. You know, and that was his take on it. But he was, yeah, I, I, it would have been his first choice. But I felt it was important to, um, you know, again, having a news background, you know, when we do a story on, you know, widening the road or, you know, whatever it may be, changing the name of a street, you know, we go to the both sides of the, the parties, you know, and, you know, we get this person's side of you and that person's side of you. And and I really felt it was important to to put something in there from Kevin. And I know a lot of people thought that, well, he just probably got that quote from, you know, uh, from an old documentary. No, that that was that was intended for the book that was written for the book. Now, there are quotes in the book from documentaries. And and I clearly state where I got those quotes. But this was written, you know, from Kevin for Lance's book. And that's the one thing I think is kind of neat about it, that, that even though, um, you know, Kevin had some part of a, a contribution to the book, he even helped me out with uh, some facts that happened uh, with the, the Japan incident. So I was yeah. able to get some clarity with that. So it was a, it was interesting. And I mean, it just adds you know even more weight to the book that his name is involved in this and we're not going to give spoilers on what is written um from kevin um but uh you know i think outside of you know um i mean i've spoken to fans um world-class fans to von eric fans and they're you know hugely interested in the book and like a lot were shocked that kevin um you know uh gave a quote for the book as well and uh you know i think that it adds an air of uh it adds an air of intrigue on top of the intrigue that is already there because you know lance von eric the character and the man i guess on a wider uh, scale because again he's not really he, he didn't take part in the documentaries or whatever there's not a lot known about him sort of thing so um did he and and the thing is as well, world class is just a you know it's a, a probably the most arguably the most important part of his career, but it's just a part of his career. Um, so did he at the start want to make it not just about that um, that time in world class? He wanted to include Portland. He wanted to include Japan in his movie career and everything else as well. Well, that was that was the hardest part of trying to tie in all that stuff. You know, it was you know, that's what I thought was so fascinating about the story was, you know, here's the the thing about the Lance von Eric gimmick. Everybody thinks they know the story. Mm. Everybody thinks that uh this is what everybody thinks. Uh, Mike Von Eric was sick and they needed another Von Eric and they got Ricky Vaughn from Portland. That's what everybody believes. That's what that's, I, that's all, I, that, that's what I thought, you know? Yeah. 
If that yeah. and that's and that's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> but but by you know unpeeling the onion, so to speak, and going back and you know uh, kind of digging a little deeper, you know, I can't tell you how long Fritz had the idea of creating another Von Erich, but they discovered, uh, we'll call him Lance, his real name's Kevin Vaughn, but Lance, uh, because he goes by Lance today, uh, they discovered Lance in the summer of 84, right after, you know, just months after David Von Erich died. So, you know, and Mike didn't injure his shoulder until like August or September of uh, 85. Yeah. So he wasn't even sick yet, you know? So the, the point is, is that, you know, the idea was long before. And, you know, he would have never been Ricky Vaughn had Fritz not sent him up to Portland to, to get training. So, you know, even that there, you know, is... You know, he had to tell me that story a couple times before it registered because <laughs> I was just so, you know, I thought I knew the story. Like you know? he just appeared out of thin air <laughs> all of a sudden in world class. Um, you know, that's that's kind of the impression that is given on the documentaries and stuff that he just kind of was just found and then inserted. But like we didn't know about the fact that he had to go to Portland to, or that he was sent to Portland to improve, but also he himself didn't feel he was ready to, you know, be in the ring as a Von Eric and to wrestle Ric Flair and things like that. Yeah. Not only that Pablo, but he would have never, uh, he would have, you know, we wouldn't be talking today or, or he would have never been a wrestler had David Manning, you know, discovered him you know yeah so it was one of those chance meetings that just kind of changed his life and uh you know he's a he's the person that look he would have never got into professional wrestling on his own accord it just never would have happened you know so you know for that um that's what really baffles me too is is that you know when people find out that it's like, look, you really, you know, take the time to, to find out what the story is about and what, because uh, I think you're going to be amazed. I've had a lot of people who are non-wrestling fans that read the book that they're just blown away by the story and they walk away with the respect with this guy. And what I, one thing that I like about him, his, uh, we were going back to the honesty and how honest he is about his own faults and his own struggles and some maybe some of the things that he did do that, you know, um, that he he mentions in the book. Right. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, that's the thing that that I like, you know, that that he does get honest and he's uh, he's OK with, you know. You know, he told me when we first started writing the book, he was like, look, there's two two sets of people, people who like me and there's people that don't. And he goes, I just don't care if they do or they don't, <laughs> you know. 
Did you um did you write with him in person or was it all done remotely? It's it's been all remotely. He he lives in another country and you know I live in Texas. Me and him have never been in the same room together. That's no mean feat to be able to do that. I would say, um, we, especially we, to get him to trust you and to uh, you know develop a working relationship and stuff like that. You know. Oh, it it definitely took took some time. In and we're I would say where we're at, you know, in our in our friendship and our in our working relationship is that, you know, we're there's a mutual definitely a, a mutual uh, friendship and respect there. Um, it, it, it you know, it's been challenging. I mean, they're the, you know, and we're starting to kind of understand each other's you know personality. He's you know, sometimes you think he's joking and he's not. <laughs> and, then, and then the other way around. Right. You know, uh, he's like he's he's uh, he's a little too serious. And then he goes, don't you know, I'm joking. I'm like, no, I don't. I don't know you're joking. But so you don't I, know what to put in the book sometimes. Um, if he says something and you're just like, oh, God, um, like, do I put this in? <laughs> well, you know, what was funny about the that is like uh, we'd be talking and. uh you know, he tell me something, right? Whatever. What and I, and and that is what's funny is I had have a really good friend who was kind of she's an English English teacher and she was really mentoring me about like you need detail and you gotta you know be descriptive and so ask questions that you'll be able to be descriptive with how you're telling the story. So I would ask him in detail, you know, certain things, and he goes, well, hey you're not going to put that in the book, are you? And I was like, well, yeah, I was going to. And he goes, yeah, I don't, I don't want that in the book. And I was like, okay. And then he'd tell me another story and, uh, and I'd say, well, I suppose you don't want me to put that in the book. He goes, I don't care. Put that in the book. And I'd say, Hey man, if it was up to me, I would, I would get rid of this story and I'd put in that story, but you know, that, um, <laughs> Go Sorry, ahead. go for it. Oh, well, um, talking about uh, Portland and working um, with and for Billy Jack Haynes, um, you know, he's quite, he, you're very open and honest about his working relationship and personal relationship with him as well. Um, did you, was he aware of the current kind of state of Billy Jack when you see him on shoot interviews and stuff like that? Because, like, did that kind of make him a little hesitant about, you know, going in depth about uh, Billy Jack in the book. No, it, it, he he's very well aware of uh, who Billy Jack is, and yeah. he you know he he's he's kept up with Billy Jack over the years, and he's seen a lot of his recent uh, stories or heard a lot of his stories, and I even shared a couple stories, uh, you know. Uh, I don't know if you heard the story about the boys on the track. Did you hear that one? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not uh, yeah, well, I'll, I'll give you more information on it. Uh, and, but anyway, he came out a few years ago uh, about this story called Boys on the Track, and it happened in Arkansas, and you can you can look into it. And I, and I told Lance about that story and asked him if he heard about the story. And after I told him the story, he says, there you go. That's the Billy Jack I know. So, yeah, uh -huh. he, he's very well aware of, of you know, his 
you know, of his state and everything. And no, he wasn't apprehensive of telling the story again. You know, he was he was honest, but he wasn't um, there wasn't a lot of backbiting in this book. There wasn't like a lot of bashing in this book. It was oh, no, no, no. yeah. This was my experience. This is what happened to me. Uh, this is what he said. This is what I said. This is what happened. And that's pretty much how the book is, you know. Would it have been too hard to reach out to him, uh, to Billy? I I tried. I definitely okay. I, I definitely gave it an attempt, and I went through uh, uh, Larry uh, Oliver, Rip Oliver's son, and uh, we. Uh, you know, we attempted to try to locate Billy Jack, but were unable to. What did you grow up watching, and um, where where were you based as a kid? Have you always lived where you live now? No, I well, I've I've lived in Texas most of my life. I live in South Texas now, um, the most southern tip of Texas. So if you look <laughs> at the state of Texas, uh, I live down there at the very very bottom, probably about ten miles from the the country of Mexico. Uh And I've lived here for 10 years, but I grew up in Louisville, Texas, which is 30 miles north of Dallas. And it's about 10 miles from where the Von Erichs grew up. So so you you were just, you know, immersed in it. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted to write this book. I, it, it is, you know, when I say it, it's kind of it sounds corny to me, but but I really do feel like this was the book that I was was meant to write. You know, I, I grew up in that area. I got to see things firsthand. Um, I went to the sportatorium I, I, a few times. I, I didn't go every Friday night because I. I got a job at when I was very young, probably about 13 or 14 years old, and I was working on Friday nights at a restaurant, and uh, I, I couldn't always get to the sportatorium, but I would go occasionally. I went to all like the the big matches, like at the Reunion Arena, all the holiday shows, all the, the Texas oh, State shows and stuff like that. I went cool. to the club. And um, yeah, it was uh, a big part of my life. You know, it was, I didn't. I knew what professional wrestling was, but I I wasn't into it until I moved to that part of Texas. And it it didn't take long for the wrestling bug to to bite me. Now, you know, I lived uh, in a a household with, you know, my parents and my brother and sister. And they were no one were fans. Yeah, I was the only wrestling fan. But they what was so funny about that is. If I if I wanted to go to a show and I asked anyone to take me, they they would take me, um, not because they wanted to go, but they were, you know, doing me, you know, <laughs> helping me out, doing me a favor. But I will say this: when the tragedies happened, you know, with David Von Erich and Mike Von Erich and you know so on, you know, we could just go down the list of names, right? Yeah. But everybody mourned. You know, my my whole family mourned, you know, the whole town mourned, you know, the whole state of Texas mourned, you know, it was it was something like I've never seen before in my life. You know, um, it was uh, kind of like we didn't, you know, my family did not personally know the Von Eric family, you know, but it felt like we did. 
just to give a, a general idea, you know, how big outside of just the show were the Von Erics in Texas? Well, those guys couldn't stand in any place for very long without <laughs> getting a crowd of people around them. I'll give you a story. So uh, it was in the early 80s, and this was really before my wrestling uh, days. We moved to Texas, and my dad took us to a, an amusement park. It's called Six Flags Over Texas. There's, They have Six Flags, and you know, but they're big amusement parks with roller coasters and all yeah. kinds of rides. You know, uh, he took us out there for the day and we were and it was hot in Texas. It's hot during the summertime. And um, we're in line waiting for this ride in. I mean, it seemed like forever. And uh, all of a sudden, everybody just disperses out of the uh, line and heads over to a certain area of the park. And we shoot up to the front of the line, and my dad uh, just asked the attendant, was like, hey, what just happened? Where did everybody go? And she said, hey, the Von Erichs are over there. <laughs> and my not dad for, Not for like, anything in particular. They were just they, just for a day out or something like that. <laughs> they weren't making yeah, an appearance on it. the park, too. <laughs> they, 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 yeah, they were. Yeah, they probably didn't have that much fun that day because they, they went there to you know probably blow off some steam, right? And. Yeah. Everyone was following them around and giving them attention. And my dad was like, well, let's follow those guys for the rest of the day. You know, if it's going to get us to the front of the line, you know, oh, <laughs> so, incredible. Yeah, they, they, they were popular. You know, it was it was it was fun to see them uh, in town, you know, like, hey, I saw Kevin pumping gas today or you know. <laughs> and, and that stuff didn't happen all the time. But I mean, I've you know, living 20 years up in that area, I ran into the Von Erichs, you know, you know, so, a handful of times, you know, so. Even when, um, even when WWF went national and everything, when world class was still, still functioning, were you watching other things or were you just watching world class at that point? Uh, I was watching, uh, all kinds of wrestling. I was, you know, uh, when I was living in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, the 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 main staple was world-class championship wrestling. You know, we got yeah. it on Saturday night. We got it on Sunday morning. And then, of course, you know, uh, they during the week, they do like little spot shows. So if they were in my area, you know, which was maybe every couple months or six months, they'd come you know, to my high school or my town, or they wrestle at the rodeo fairgrounds or whatever in my town. And, you know, I try to go see them there. So uh, that was the, the the main staple. Of course, WWF came on, uh, but the only program they, they really showed was like uh, superstars in squash matches. You know, that didn't really excite me. It was no, you know, well, that's the, that's the thing as well. When you know, it's the same with Memphis. Like when a company is able to maintain its hold on a on a territory like world class or um, like Memphis, um, WWF really had to work hard to win over that audience, and it didn't always work um, in terms of ratings, in terms of just live event 
attendance and stuff like that. And that's why sometimes they would have to travel the territories and use one of the big names from that territory, like the Crusher. Anytime they went to Minnesota, they would use the Crusher. Um, you know, but obviously Kerry ended up going to the WWF uh, eventually along with, you know, Rude, Percy Pringle, etc. Um, but it seemed to me that, you know, it took a long time for WWF to win over um, certainly Dallas, you know, because they were doing a lot of shows at that point. I mean, because they, they um, took over Houston um, in 87, um, but Houston and Dallas, I mean, Texas is so big that you could have like three major territories in the entire, you know, in the same state and they would all be very different from each other as well. Um, so, um, you know, and I think even at the time when they did the Paul Bosch retirement show, uh, they had to bring in Tom Pritchard, Mark Lewin, um, and I think Paul oh, Paul Bosch was obviously there. And they, they really had to give it that uh, Houston flavor to really draw the crowd sort of thing. But it didn't seem like they were doing much in Dallas until – I can't even think when they really sort of started doing events in Dallas. I mean, do you, do you know off the top of your head when WWF really started to invade Dallas? Well, I know that in 87, now you got to remember too, a lot happened leading up to, you know, uh, when we, okay, so we get to 1987, you know, Mike's already passed away, uh, mm. Lance leaves in the summer of 87, so does David Manning. And when David Manning left, you know, he was, he was like a big part of that company. And, and when David Manning left the company, and uh, he, you know, the, the product changed a lot, you know. I mean, it. I, I guess Fritz was spent a little more time. It, it just looked different, and it felt different. And, um, you know, it just, it wasn't, it didn't have the same, I guess, pizzazz or flair to it. And so, um, and I'll tell you this, too. Um, not only me, but th that that's really when the fan base started kind of stopped watching world class, you know, because you know, and it talks about in the book that, you know, people were heartbroken, you know, you've already had David Von Erich die, you had Gino Hernandez die, you had Mike Von Erich die, and uh, it, it started getting to the point was, hey, you know, look, we, we watch wrestling to escape from real life stuff, and, you know, we don't yeah. go for, it, it got to be a little too much, right? So, I started to to drift away about 87, 88. And, and, and so I, I do know that they had like a, a global force wrestling uh, in there in the early 90s. And uh, uh, the Jarrett's came through there as well, you know, in, in that doing that USA yeah. or global force or whatever it was. And yeah, it is. And it, it, it started uh to, to fade out. So I would say somewhere in that time, but going back to like the Lance Von Eric gimmick and stuff and how you were talking about, you know, bringing in the big names and everything. And that was the whole idea of, of creating another Von Eric because they needed a Von Eric on the marquee. They needed a Von Eric name, you know? And so, you know, you're running two shows a night uh, you know, you need, you know, and then of course, you know, Kerry had his motorcycle accident, 
You know, in 1986, when Kerry had his motorcycle accident, Kevin also had a shoulder injury. And so, and Mike at that time was still recovering from his toxic shock syndrome. So, you know, Lance was the only Von Erich. If if they didn't bring Lance in, there would be no Von Erichs. Of course, yeah. no one had a crystal ball, right? They didn't know all that stuff was going to happen. But, you know, uh, Lance was carrying that promotion there for a few months, you know, and 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 the only Von Erich on the card. And, and, you know, that was one of the things that really burned them out on that was wrestling two times a night and trying to carry the the name. And, you know, um, and and also to the Von Erichs, even when they were healthy, they had a reputation of not uh, always honoring their commitments. So, again, you know. You know, if they didn't feel like showing up, they didn't always show up. You know, it was like, well, my dad's the promoter, I guess. You know, I mean, it, maybe it was that kind of an attitude that they had, you know? Yeah. No, I, I, I get it. And the thing, but looking at it now, you know, it's such a knife edge um, to sort of walk along when you're bringing in someone who is, uh, you know, not really a Von Eric. I mean, I, I know, you know, no one was really a Von Eric, but in in the true, true sense, but like in terms of Lance um, sort of pretending that he was a Von Eric, and then sort of once he left, Fritz went out there, you know, and basically said that he was an imposter and, um, you know, that was his way of getting out of it sort of thing. Um, but that really wouldn't have made Fritz look good, um, you know, because Lance was gone by that point. So it, it didn't probably affect him in the same way that it affected uh, Fritz. And as Kevin says, you know, they didn't lie to their audience because that, you know, there was such a belief and a love um, there. I mean, when when did the Fritz heart attack angle happen? That That happened. That happened. I don't know if that was 88 or 89, but yeah. I was. I was detached from wrestling at that time and heard about it. And but you know what? Also, too, uh, you know, look, it's professional wrestling. It it is what it is. It, it's stories, right? And so, you know, with with the whole big deal, oh, we never lie to our fans. Come on, that's that's <laughs> you know. The I whole mean, thing is, yeah, uh, no, no. <laughs> You know, you 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 know, yeah. You got to watch wrestling with a pair of rose-colored glasses, right? <laughs> I mean, it, it it's it's anyway. My, yeah, but my, but would you say though that in in America there was probably no territory where the fans believed it was real, maybe more than or not, maybe not believed it was real, but supported a territory. Oh. You know, because I mean, because you hear stories about Louisiana, they believed it was real because you know, it would be violent and everything. But this was like more based on a belief system. And the the reason why I love the, to me, any good um, angle ever has been based on a belief system um, right. to me. And, you know, you have the Von Erichs who are religious and believe in, you know, good. And, you know, the, those dastardly free birds are, you know, just going to, you know, they're awful and just reprobates and everything like that. And, you know, that's kind of, to me, you know, and I'm I'm 34. I'm in the UK. I, I didn't get to see any of this stuff at the time, but it seems like when you look at all the biggest angles that happened in the different territories in the 70s and 80s, into the 90s with Austin and McMahon, because that's the working man against you know the billionaire and everything. It's kind of based on belief systems, and um, I just 
you know, the world-class territory and the love that they had for the Von Eriks was certainly the most that I've seen. I mean, you just have to look at the reactions and the riots and everything else when, you know, um, that, anything involving the Von Eriks. Sorry, that wasn't the question. I was just kind of, <laughs> just kind of like putting that out there. But yeah, so yeah, what do you think? Sorry. Well, they're yeah. I mean, the uh, the Von Erich fans, they're they're loyal. I mean, yeah. they're very very loyal to to the Von Erichs, and even to this day, you know, uh, I've got a lot of pushback with the book because you know people don't you know you know as soon as you say oh there's a book about Lance Von Erich, you know they're like. They, you know, they call him the non-Eric. He wasn't related to the Von Erics. He's a con. He's an imposter. He's this. He's that. I don't like him. And, you know, you try to, uh, you ask these people, well, what did he ever do to you? Oh, I just don't like him. Well, why don't you like him? <laughs> he's not related to the Von Erics, you know? And and again, you know, my, my sell on the book is like this. Yes, it's a book from Lance's perspective, but you know what? You're going to be really surprised with how he tells the story of, you know, how wrestling is and what it was like in world class. You know, um, I mean, I know there's some people in some Von Eric group pages that don't want to read the book because, you know, oh, I just don't want, you know, uh, I just don't want to hear his side. Well, wow, that's that's strong in 2021, isn't it? You know, yeah, um, it's strong. yeah. yeah. and and. And so that to try to paint the the picture of their loyalty, I you know it's like you know open your mind a little bit you know and uh, give your chance you know, yourself a chance to 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 read his his side of the story and I think people are going to be look I've had some really hardcore Von Eric fans read the book and they were really impressed by it and like like uh, I mean there's a girl that that post a picture of Carrie every single day. And <laughs> is, she on Insta- is she on Instagram by any chance? Uh, yes, she is. <laughs> I know the same person. Yeah. I reached out to her and, and said, if she wanted to ask any questions about the book and everything. And uh, yeah. So yeah, we know the same people. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, she, she loves the book. Yeah. She, she, you know, if we're talking about the same person, she loves the book and she was really impressed uh, with the book and, and walked away with a new respect for Lance. And, you know, that's that's one thing a lot of people told me, even my aunt. My aunt doesn't know much about uh, wrestling or the Von Erichs, but she knew uh, of the Von Erichs through me. And she read the book and she was like, wow, I have a a just a, a, a whole different respect for Lance now and how he handled the situation and what he went through and what he did. And, you know, even even the stuff he did after wrestling, where some people would like, you know, kind of frown upon some of the things he that are in the in the last chapters of the book, you know, and when he goes overseas and the things that he did in Africa and stuff. And, uh, you know. Again, there's no apologies for what he did, you know, and we're talking about, you know, he participated in some smuggling and he smuggled some auto parts and he smuggled guns into the you know, the country. And, you know, when people say, well, you know, what was he doing that for? Hey, he he did it by the book. You know, he called all the airlines. Hey, this is what I want to do. How do I do it? You know, uh, and he did it by the the book of the law. And uh, and then somebody came along and didn't like what he was doing and 
basically kind of shut that down. But the the point is, is that, you know, uh, he's, you know, he's a straight shooter, man. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a wonderful book. And um, the last chapter before the final words are is is called Wrestlers, Guns and Money. That would, you know, I'm sold <laughs> just just on that. Um, and, you know, it's it's that's the thing. It's incredibly well researched. Um, you interview people who were integral in his career, um, you know, people who worked for world class. I mean, there's a Kevin Von Erich is involved in the book in some way. You know, that adds legitimacy to you know the book in terms of it's worth reading if you are a generally a von eric fan or a world-class fan or wrestling fan you know because you know wwe to their credit have done a good job in sort of to a point educating fans on world-class because they have the footage and everything and they they did the nice documentary i kind of preferred the heroes of world-class i thought that was more honest um and didn't gloss over things quite as much um personally um and but yeah no it's it's a great book and highly recommended um so yeah did i mean did you enjoy the documentaries like did you have a preference i liked uh the the, the triumphs and tragedies i've seen that one mm-hmm. i've i've seen that one a couple times i enjoyed that i i anytime i get to go back and and watch stuff of world class uh I, I still go back and I watch uh, a lot of the matches from, you know, on the WD, WWE network. You know, they have uh, the world class episodes yeah. on there. And I, I love going back and watching those and anything that I could watch of the territory. I watched a lot of stuff, you know, as as I was working on this project, too, just to kind of, you know, get the time frame down, kind of like to, you know, that was the really hard thing is, you know, because especially with Lance too, you know, asking him about this stuff and a lot of this stuff happened 30 years ago. So, you know, you say, hey, well, who all was there? He goes, golly, I don't remember. What day? <laughs> well, you're going to have to look that up, you know, it's like, so I did have to do a lot of research in that regard, but I, I did watch, uh, I've seen throughout the years when that triumph and triumphs and tragedies came out that was the one that you know that i just kind of really resonated with me because you know there was a lot of really good times in that promotion and there was just a lot of really sad things that happened and and i think if you like for me a kid growing up in that area it was very personal to me you know and so writing this book was very personal to me too and you know i'm you know, I want to share this is that, you know, you, one thing you got to understand, I'm a huge Von Erich fan. I, I was at Texas Stadium when Kerry won the title. I was uh, oh, I just that's so loved, good. I love I, I love those guys. You know, I mean, I, they were my, you know, I guess my my heroes. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, writing this book uh, of, of Lance or you know, for Lance or about Lance, um, you know, I didn't want to, I'll give you an example. So I was posting something about the book, just promoting it. And someone, uh, another a lady who's very uh, pro Von Eric, uh, just kind of came out and said, look, um, she thought I was posting too much stuff about the book. And she says, look, I get it. You're a fan. 
and I, you're a Lance fan or something. I said, look, I'm not a Lance fan. I just, I can appreciate a good story. Yeah. And this is a good story. And I think people would be surprised. You know, I mean, here in my office, I've probably got more Von Erich memorabilia in here than anybody else. You know, um, the Von Erichs, like I said, were a big part of my life, you know, but this is a good story. You know, you're talking about world class from 1982 to, to 87, you know, and we cover in this book, you know, we cover David Von Erich's death, we, the rise of world class, the fall of world class, you know, uh, Juno Hernandez's death. You know, we, we have a chapter in there about Ric Flair and what he meant to the NWA during that period. And, you know, we have things that Chris Adams and things that he experienced. And, you know, uh, Bruiser Brody is, is mentioned in this book. And, you know, how Japan was over there is mentioned in this book. And, you know, Lance leaving and Fritz coming on television and, and you know, what happened overseas i think it's a it's a it's this this wide range of a story that that you think you're coming in to to read i don't know maybe maybe you think oh we're gonna know you know what happened to lance and you know throughout his whole entire life and and you will but you're gonna get so much more about professional wrestling that i think that you're you're not expecting to get I agree with that. Yeah, it, the, there are because some of the chapters that are written about the wrestlers are very much written in tribute. I find, and uh, there's some really nice pictures in the book as well, and it's beautifully put together as well. Um, and before we talk about where uh, people can find the book, where they can find you, uh, as a collector, I'm kind of intrigued by what uh, stuff you have in your collection. Um, do you have? I'm guessing you've got some really cool stuff. And did does Lance did Lance keep a hold of any of uh, mementos from his time? You know what, Lance had some stuff, but Lance was also uh, he suffered a really bad uh, hurricane. He uh. was in a, he was in a hurricane, and a a lot of his stuff got damaged. So uh, I asked him for you know you got to help me find that or you got to get and he goes he goes I'll I'll look to see what I have left, but because he was damaged by a hurricane. Um, and then also, too, um, I reached out to, I think it was Mark Youngblood, and he experienced a fire. So there was a lot of stuff that I could have gotten, but it was no longer around because Mother Nature had damaged it, you know? But, you know, I'll, I have a poster from uh, the Parade of Champions that I have on my wall. Um, that day, then when Kerry uh, won the world title, um, that's really special to me, and uh, I love that. I have a picture of uh, David Von Erich that I keep from a magazine right after he passed away. Oh, wonderful, very special. And uh, there's a poster on my wall um, when uh, Kerry defended the world title to uh, superstar Billy Graham in Florida. It's uh, you know, he was only champion for 18, 18 days or 19 days. So I have oh, this. Wow. And then I have a poster of uh, uh, the world-class promotion with uh, Gina Hernandez and Sunshine and Kevin Von Erich and, or Kerry Von Erich and Mike Von Erich. It's, uh, it's at a high school in uh, 1985. 
and uh, it's in Carrollton, Texas, which was about, I don't know, five to 10 miles from where where I live. And so these these posters are are special to me. And, you know, because that time of of my life, that was was a very special time of my life, you know, and, you know, it's funny how I connect a, a lot of things to wrestling in my childhood and and how kind of my life came back full circle to to work on this project. You know, it was just again, you know, I mentioned it earlier, but I really feel like this was something that was meant for me to write. And uh, it just right time, right place, uh, right opportunity. Um, but I, I wrote it with one, you know, I want people to to know the story, but I, I wanted to tell the story in a respectful way that that honored the Von Erichs as well, even though, you know, it's, you know, from Lance's perspective. And and a lot of people think there's a lot of, um, look, Lance just comes out and says, hey, I just didn't want to work for him anymore. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and I didn't think I was going to get all this blowback because I just didn't want to work for him anymore. But he wasn't the one that went on TV and degraded anybody, you know? No. So um, with the book coming out, I mean, it, it's great because we're all stuck in the house and we need entertainment and uh, the sure. book is wonderful. Um, is this going to uh, spur him on to do conventions and things like that? I don't think he's going to do any conventions. I, he He's not. He's just that's really not his thing. He, it, it, he, it makes it clear in the book that he, you know, he hadn't even thought about wrestling that much you know, in a long time, but people still call him Lance and stuff. So I, he really has moved on. Um, but right. You know, so, yeah. Well, he, he kept the name Lance. He, he goes by Lance to this day and he goes because he, he didn't like the name Kevin. He didn't, he just didn't, <laughs> he never liked his name anyways. Right. And so, uh-huh. uh, and then, uh, people called him Lance anyway, all the time. So he just ended up keeping it. And, um, uh, but yeah, he, he, you know, like I said, I asked him the other day, I said, hey, would you be willing to do an interview with me? Do you want to do an interview? He goes, I don't want to do an interview. I didn't want to do any of this stuff, but but I but I will. I will. Give me the number. I'll, you know, he'll do it. But, you know, it's the thing is, I, I think a part of him likes doing it, but I don't I don't see him doing conventions. You know, he's. He's happy with what he's doing. Um, this this book is probably going to be uh, the only way you're going to really get close to him. You know, I mean, and so um, the book is available here in the United States. I'm selling it on my website at landsbychance.com. And uh, I am I'm currently working on getting the book so it can be distributed in the UK and in other countries um, right now. If. If you live in the UK and you want to purchase the book, it, it's like twenty five, it's like twenty four fifty to send the book, which is, you know, I've had a couple people pay to have it shipped over there. Um, that's a to me a, a ridiculously uh, a lot of money to uh, for shipping, you know. But I'm work like I said. I'm working on getting it over there, so you won't have to pay that. I want the people over there on that side of the world to read the book. So I am in 
currently working on getting that over there. I will definitely let you know, Pablo, when it's ready. But I want your fans to be ready for this book. And I and I I want to I want them to be excited about this. I I'm very proud of the book. I'm proud with how it came out. Uh, Lance is very impressed with the story. He's very excited about it. He's he uh, you know. The way he tells the story is he's told me all of this information and then he didn't know how it was going to come out. And, uh, you know, what's funny also, too, about that is I would ask him questions about the book. And then finally, I was like, look, you haven't read the book yet, man. <laughs> you know, and and he says and he admits that, yeah, I didn't read the book at first. He he didn't he didn't. It was hard for him to go back. You know, he. He uh, it, this was a process for him. This was a process for for him to uh, kind of relive some of this stuff because working at world class wasn't wasn't uh, the happiest time of his life, you know. But I will say this at Christmas time, we received an email from Kevin and it was it was uh, very positive and it was friendly and uh, it was nice to uh, to hear from him. So, you know, there's. Uh, there, there. I think there was some healing done through this whole process. And for yourself as a fan, that has to be immensely gratifying, not just to be able to talk to these people, but to be able to potentially build some bridges. You know, um, yeah, that's got to be entirely worth the work that you've put into the book, give nothing else. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because like I said, I mean, I have such a personal tie, you know, connection to this, this story, to this era of wrestling, you know, and, you know, if, uh, yeah, just to, to be a part of it, 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 it makes me feel good, you know, as, as a writer, as a fan, as, as a human being, right? It's just, it's a good feeling just to, uh, just to be a part of this, because uh, it's something that's very personal to me you know what you know i was 15 years old when david von eric uh passed away and and i remember crying you know with a payphone in my hand when i when i got the news you know so yeah yeah very, very personal story so um yeah i'm glad to be a part of it and, and when things happen to you at that age you know um if you you know meet a girl or whatever you know it's even the most important happiest thing in the world to you because you're that age and things have that effect on you or the most soul crushing <laughs> like thing yeah so like you know and those are the things that kind of shape you as well um you know things that happen to you at that impressionable age when you're still growing and learning and everything and um yeah and i i can tell what an effect this you know um von eric's world-class has on you in such a positive way and this like i say the book is wonderful it's so well researched it's honest um you know it it this i love in a way that he's not going to do conventions and stuff because it, it continues to add to that mystique around him <laughs> it's just like right here's the book make of it what you will <laughs> and goodbye <laughs> you know sort of thing <laughs> um and, and and he's done a couple interviews, but yeah, not yeah. not very many. I've I've trust me, I've done more interviews than he has. And <laughs> so um, but, okay. So as as a big head, where does this rank? Is it in the top five interviews? You can you can tell me. That's fine. 
that again? I was um, just like for my own big head. Where does this interview rank in your interviews? Top five? I'll take top five. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah, because oh. uh, not not all of them are. Uh, you know, look, I've I've done several interviews, and I'll tell you, I walk away like we we did one yesterday, and or I did one yesterday, and uh, I felt rushed, and I didn't I I felt like it was. Uh, I didn't say all everything I wanted to say, and uh, yeah, I did feel really good about it. And this one, I feel really good about is, and I appreciate you uh, bringing me on the show. And, and one thing I want to emphasize is, like, uh, you know, let your fans know that as soon as the book is is ready over there in the UK, we're gonna let them know how to get it. And uh, I'm I'm really uh, excited for uh, the fans over there to uh, to read the book because I was surprised. Uh, from the amount of response I got from uh, the United Kingdom, where people were interested in the book, it, it really surprised me. So, uh, like I said, I'm in the process of getting that going, and I don't know how long it's going to take me. But is you're going to be the first one to know, Pablo, when it's when it's ready to go for for the fans in your country. Uh, I, know, I know these things take time. I mean, I, I spoke to. Um... Uh, Bertrand Eber, who did uh, the Mad Dogs Midget Screw Jobs and the Montreal Wrestling Books and the Pat Patterson book, etc. And uh, some of those had to be translated uh, from French to English. And that actually takes a long time. So I understand the book. You know, but I mean, I don't, you know, firsthand, but from seeing uh, the amount of time it takes to publish books, get them out there in different markets and stuff. I know that it's a, you know, it's a it's a bit of a process, but but. If people really, really, really can't wait, they can buy it now from it's landsbychance.com. Absolutely. That and is right. there are signed signed copies on there, I believe. Yes, that we do have signed copies. Now here's the thing is Lance had to sign a sticker because he's in another country. He had to sign a sticker and we're putting the sticker inside the book, but it's his signature. And what was so funny about that was uh those uh, those stickers got uh, held up in uh, customs for about five weeks, which was <laughs> nerve-wracking for me when people were asking me when where they were. But yes, you can get a signature, uh, Lance's signature, and if you want Lance's signature, this is this is how you're gonna be able to get it because again, he's not planning to do any tours, and uh, you know I tell him all the time. I said, "Wow, Lance, I'm really surprised that." that you wrote the, you know, that you and I wrote this book together. And he always answers, yeah, me too. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, a good way to leave it. And I think if people ask very, very nicely, you will sign it as well. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, at no extra charge. If you want me to sign it, just let me know and I'll, I'll be glad to sign it for you. But I'm, I, unless you ask, I, I just probably won't do it because I'm, just not accustomed to doing that, but You're I. Humble. You're very I, humble that way, you see. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind doing it at all. I'll do that for you. Wonderful. Okay, well, um, I'm looking forward to you know myself and BBG working with you to you know get the word of the book out there as well, and I, I'm just extremely grateful that you've come onto the show and that you've answered, um, you know, a lot of questions and um. You know, I want to thank you for writing such a great book as well. And uh, a book that it's one of those that like I didn't know that I needed it until I read it. And I was just like, oh, wow. You know, it was one of those because, you know, it's it, a Lance Von Erich biography would take people by surprise, I guess. And I think it has. 
Um, and it's created controversy, and I wouldn't expect anything less because I think that's, you know, controversy creates interest and, uh, you know, people will read it to make their own minds up about uh, about Lance. But again, it's a very, very honest book, and I think it doesn't, it leaves no stones unturned or anything like that. So, yes, lancebychance.com. I want to thank you, Vinnie Berry. Um, I hope you enjoy your Valentine's Day. <laughs> it's not by the time it goes up, it won't be Valentine's Day, but uh, yeah. Um, and um, yeah, thank you again, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thank you very much. It's been a, a an honor and a pleasure, and thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs>